folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch the baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Now we welcome in a former Denver Bronco, played for Gary Kubiak a bunch, went to Creighton Durham Hall here in Minnesota, Super Bowl champion, and now a talk radio host, Ryan Harris. What's going on, Ryan? Not much. Just enjoying life, my brother. How about yourself? I'm doing well, man. I, I wanted to bring you on because, of course, the Vikings drafted a couple of offensive linemen, and I need offensive line perspective as much as we can get. And Vikings fans are feasting for it since they've had poor offensive line play for um, a while now, since I moved here. Uh, let me ask you first. I was just looking at your Wikipedia page, and I wanted to ask you, when you were at Creighton-Durham Hall, did, who did you play with? Like, was there anybody on that team? Like, was it, was it Maurer or, uh, you know, Michael Floyd? Like, who was on that team when you were there? Yeah, so Joe Maurer was my quarterback my sophomore year, uh, and it was really cool. You know, Joe, one of my first interactions with him, like, you know, now that I'm on varsity, he was driving myself and uh, Kevin Salomon around, the big the big senior lineman, you know, who was kind of his, his, his buddy, and we were all going to get cleats, you know, and it was just kind of like one of those things where, like, I'm sitting in the back of a four-door, four-door Toyota, you know, we're rolling down, uh, you know, St. Clair Avenue or Randolph Avenue, and all of a sudden Joe Maurer pulls over, and he's like, hold on, guys, I'm going to grab some gas. And he gets in, he goes into the store, comes out, and he gets us all a Gatorade. And I was like, oh, man, he's the coolest guy ever, you know. <laughs> so uh, I learned a lot from Joe Maurer. Still keep in touch with him. He's an awesome dude. He, he made an awesome impact. And uh, it's been fun to have him on my radio show from time to time. That is really cool, man. I mean, uh, you have a ring, so you can always throw that in his face a little bit. But, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what, one of the great catchers to ever play. I mean, what was he like as a quarterback? He's really good, right? Still one of the best quarterbacks I ever played with. Uh, you know, we did the varsity blues test with him one time. You know, somebody had a cup on his head. And, and uh, <laughs> right. you know, one day as a joke, one of the coaches was like, hey, Joe, why don't you come out here and kick off? Well, he kicked the ball like 60 yards. You know, he just was so good. And uh, the best thing about Joe Maurer is, you know, you never know it talking to him. Just the kindest guy, laid back. Uh, but, you know, he lo- he did have a fire for winning. Yeah, no, that's for sure. And uh, it was really cool for me as sort of an outside observer growing up watching his career when I was living in Buffalo. And then I moved to Minnesota to see the end of his career. And I don't know if you remember how it ended exactly, but he got behind the plate for a pitch. Did, did you happen to see that? That was that was yeah. so good, the way that his career came to an end here. Yeah, and, you know, I was lucky after we won the Super Bowl, uh, I went and gave out the first pitch for the Twins. And, and, uh, and Joe said, hey, I think I'm about to take, you know, get out there for this one. So, 
to this day, my uncles still think it's amazing. You know, uh, he gave me the, he gave me a, a sign that I didn't like, so I shook him off. You know? <laughs> and uh, you can kind of tell, you know, Joe's kind of like, really, man? You know, uh, but it's just, it was fun. And, and what a career Joe had. And, uh, you know, w- w- amazing player and what he meant to the Twins and the state and uh, especially to the community at Creighton Durham Hall. We love him. Well, I'm glad I asked. That is a very cool experience for you that you got to got to block for Joe Maurer. So I need you to tell me about blocking for NFL quarterbacks, not just guys who could have been good NFL quarterbacks like Maurer. Um, so the, the Vikings draft Christian Derisov, first-round tackle. I want you to tell me, in like real football terms, how tough it is when you first get there as a rookie tackle. Because the the PFF grades, if we go by those, if you like those, they show us that rookie tackles usually have a pretty tough time in terms of their grades versus veterans. So, yeah. so give, give me your experience and how difficult that is. Well, I'll just give you an example real quick, just the snap count alone, right? So at first you got, you know, white, this is high school, white 80, white 80, set up, boom, you're moving, right? In college, it's white 80, white 80, set up. And in pros, it's white 80, white 80, said, oh, you know, like the ball is snapped before, you know, the quarterback's even done with his cadence. So that's the first piece. The second piece is when you're in college, you're usually the best player by far uh, that you're going to go against, you know, uh, in, you know, you're the best player in the game, probably one of two or three great players you'll see along your career. And that's the only issue that I've got. You know, is that you have these situations, even at Virginia Tech, he didn't go against a bunch of tough competition. He has to figure out that there are going to be grown men who have zero cares about his, you know, well-being and well and, and worth. And, oh, by the way, they'll pass you the salt at lunch. So the snap count, the, the, the intensity, and, and just a total raise of talent level at every single position around you, when you may not have gone against that much talent in a four-year career in college. Right. And I look at it too as where you really see tackles get tested is those third downs. So if it's third down and seven, and then not only now, I mean, do you have so many freak athletes at defensive end who, uh, my buddy Jeremiah Searles, another lineman on the show sometimes, he calls them the werewolves um, that, you know, are coming after you. But now it also seems like there's so many things that teams do schematically on third downs. They move these guys around, they send stunts and twists, and linebackers get involved. And I mean, it looks like it's just a lot more for you to mentally process in those big situations as a first-year tackle. Well, you got to anticipate so much, Matt. You know, you, on third downs, no team, no defense is going to stay the same. And when you're in college, you know, even if you're playing in Ohio State, and Ohio State's a cover two team. They're going to have two safeties back there all day. They might send a middle linebacker. They might send an edge corner, but that's going to be few and far between. Well, you're going to get that in the first three plays of a game in the NFL, right? You're going to get – three different types of blitzes and many defenses they work to see, you know, which blitz will work and then let's run that one again. So you got to on third down know that you're going to get some sort of game or if not, you're going to get the best pass rush move. And one of the biggest struggles, Matt, is learning how to study film. You know, watching a guy like Vaughn Miller, if I'm playing against Vaughn Miller or Terrell Suggs, I'm watching them on film for about eight to 10 hours separately from the team. I'm learning what their characteristics are so that I know that Vaughn Miller really likes to use a spin move on third and three to five when he knows it's a passing down because he feels he can get to the quarterback that much better. You're going to get a bull rush on third and six because he knows he has time, but also wants to collapse the pocket to really make the quarterback feel pressured. So these are the things that young players just do not realize 
and there is a lot to handle. But that's why the NFL is the best of the best. You better be able to handle it or you ain't going to be able to play. Now, something that was brought up um, by a friend of mine, Brandon Thorne, who studies offensive line play and has a, a website and things like that. And, and work. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. You know, okay. You know, Brandon. So uh, he was bringing up with Christian Derrissaw and his study of his play that there were times where he just thought he lost s- some focus there. I mean, how tough is that? Because I think about this, even from a reporter standpoint, we're sitting up there, we got hot dogs and ice cream and stuff, but even you got to like really lock into the game because you can't miss anything. I mean, I'm thinking like 70 plays against the toughest competition on the road, the crowd. I mean, I feel like when I hear that a little bit and some of the other criticism is kind of how he finishes his blocks, I go, I mean, those are things that are, that, that really have to take the step up to the next level at the NFL, because if there's a little lapse in focus, quarterbacks going down well i mean it's always funny they're going to find something they don't like about you right, right. yes so that's I, true I don't like trevor lawrence has to improve his footwork right does that mean that trevor lawrence isn't the best quarterback in this class not at all you know he clear and he clearly is but that's an example of in the nfl how much you have to be great in every area i mean i was in multiple meetings throughout my 10-year nfl career where guys were getting screamed at for, for stepping six inches off of the direction they should have. I mean, we're talking about six inches, right? Depending on who you ask, it's a different measurement. But still, it's not a huge change, right? So you have to be so precise. But one of the things that Derisaw is going to realize is that you are going to get hurt if you're not paying attention. And, you know, a lot of these games, too, Virginia Tech's probably playing at a lot of those 11.30 a.m. games in college, right? Uh, so, you know, are you are you playing your hardest against Wake Forest? Sure. Can you lose focus? Absolutely. So you've never had the intensity uh, um, that that he had that he's going to face coming up, and he will improve. And, and I know Rick Dennison over there. Rick Dennison's going to be chomping at him to get going anyway. Okay, can you talk about that? I, I because I get this question all the time um, with offensive line coach and Rick Dennison specifically because the Vikings have not had very good offensive lines in recent years. The way that I look at it as a reporter from the outside is. Look, when you give a, you know an offensive line coach two left guards that are sort of journeyman backups and say you got to start one of these two guys for 16 games, I don't know what an offensive line coach is supposed to do. But since you, since you've worked with him, what was your experience like uh, with Rick Dennison as a coach? Well, I love Rick Dennison. Uh, he's one of my favorite people that I got to play for, and I hated him as a rookie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but he pushes you hard. And he's incredibly smart. But the best thing that Rick Dennison does is he creates camaraderie along the offensive line. And for Christian Derrissaw, it's going to be an issue of not only is he going to have to learn, but he needs to be surrounded with guys that he trusts and that he knows are going to have his best interests and have his back. And there are a few coaches I played with in the NFL that does that and, and creates that quicker than Rick Dennison. So he'll give him the technique. He will stay on him to the part where Derrissaw is not going to want to talk to him. But I'll tell you, uh, immediately after that rookie year, you know, Rick Dennison's going to be one of his favorite coaches because uh, Rick knows how to press buttons, but also get results. How were you as a outside zone blocking tackle? Well, I was great, man. I played <laughs> 10 years in the league. What are you talking right, about? You that's true. Get yeah. the ring? I can show you the ring. You I know, know you got the ring. I'm not going to show you my bank account because I'm I'm humble, my man. But dude, <laughs> I was better than the next guy. I'll tell you that right now. Let's just say that. I think you did just show the bank account by saying that. Um, no, I, I just was curious because, I mean, if Rick Dennison and Gary Kubiak wanted you on their teams all the time, then you must have been, you know, great at the outside zone blocking. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Actually, you know, they mixed it up a little bit last year, and it'll be really interesting, too. And I was curious about your opinion on this because they also drafted Wyatt Davis out of Ohio State, which I I thought was a great pick. But he's on the bigger side, and the whole thing about reaching linebackers and stuff like that at 315, 320 pounds – I, I feel like there's got to be some push and pull there with how they've done this, where they're going to gain some on the pass blocking and maybe lose a little when it comes to that zone block. Well, you know, it's so funny though, Matthew, because the zone blocking, it, it's really just a matter of angles. The, the plays are the same. It's just the angles and how you're getting there. The other thing too, I, I understand that perspective of, Hey, a bigger guy is going to be slower to the linebackers, but the difference between college and the NFL, those linebackers are coming downhill at you. You don't have to go get them, right? You know, so so those guys are going to be there right away. And the bigger you are, the harder you are to get around and the more crease there is for a running back. So what I like about why is that he played in big-time football. He played in the playoffs. Uh, so he's going to be a player that can help this team win. I'll show you my bank account. It's not bad. It's all there, right. There you go, man. You see, hey. you're, you're looking at my three-season porch. You like it? You got to start somewhere. Hey, Minnesota. Yeah, I like it, man. Did you do it yourself? You uh, it's kind of like this when I moved in, but I mean, sure. We we put some heaters out here so we could be out here in the winter. You need to. You need to. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I want to ask you about uh, your Broncos there because very, very fascinating to pass on Justin Fields and to get Patrick Sertain and stick with, at least for now, unless Rodgers shows up, Teddy Bridgewater. I think Vikings fans, there were probably some that were jealous because there's a lot of love here still for Teddy Bridgewater. And I think if that ends up being the situation, Ryan, it it could actually be really good for this Broncos team. I think the Broncos roster is vastly better than what Teddy had last year with Carolina. Yeah, and, and, and Teddy Bridgewater really struggled because um, they didn't have a run game outside of Christian McCaffrey, who was 70% of their offense. Didn't have a great defense either. And listen, Matt Rule is so intelligent, he thinks that Sam Darnold's going to help him turn things around in Carolina, okay? So you got a first-time head coach from college who thinks he's you know brilliant and going to rerun the NFL. This is just a disaster waiting to happen. But the Broncos got a great steal. I mean, a fourth-round pick for Teddy Bridgewater, uh, that's a steal. And he has the goods to be the starter. I will tell you that the Broncos really liked Justin Fields, and it wasn't until recent, and it wasn't until late with the epilepsy information they decided not to go get him. So they liked him, and uh, it, it's something where you know we'll have to see how this thing plays out. But Matt, there were there were six quarterbacks last year who didn't have you know competition in the room: Tom Brady, Drew Brees, uh, you know, even Philip Rivers had some, but Patrick Mahomes, uh, Ben Roethlisberger, and this guy named Drew Locke. You know, like who does not fit in that situation, right? All right. Drew Locke needed some competition. They got it with Teddy Bridgewater. You are fitting right in on the show by taking a little jab at Matt Rule. I felt the same way. Like, you know, when you, you know, who's thrown more passes between Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Darnold. It's actually Sam Darnold. Like after four years uh, of not playing well, and then you trade a bunch of stuff for him. 
I'm, I'm just not sure I get it. But I always think that nobody knows better than college coaches how to point the finger at somebody else. So that's yeah. <laughs> right. That's like must have been must have been Teddy's fault. I actually like the way that Teddy played in a lot of those games. Toward the end, I think he had an injury and they struggled. But I also think there was a part of that where Pat Shermer knows how to coach in this league. I'm not sure that you know, Joe Brady knows how to adapt his offense as the season went on. And I thought even the Vikings last year, when they played Carolina, Mike Zimmer was kind of one step ahead of their offensive play calling. And I just, I wonder about that whole thing of like in a college offense, set it, let it go the whole season. Your players will take care of it. The NFL, you better be adapting all the time. So I think even that Bridgewater and Shermer fit will be good. Well, you look at, yeah, Bridgewater and Shermer, they, they played, you know, Bridgewater was there for a year with Shermer. Uh, in Minnesota, so he understands the offense, understands what Shermer wants. Uh, but Matt Rule, man, you know, really wasn't successful in, in Baylor. I'm happy for him that he got the gig, but you know, the NFL players could tell you time and time again, you get a college coach that comes up, he's used to being the big man on campus. Nobody challenges him, and from reports that I've gotten from people uh, close to and on the team, there were issues where you know Teddy Bridgewater, as every NFL quarterback does you know, gives information back to the coach about what plays they think will work and how they want some things to be tweaked. Matt Rule didn't like that. So as long as he doesn't want input from great players, he will not be a great coach. Teddy Bridgewater is one of the smartest players that I've ever covered as a reporter. I think if he's got something to say, he should probably listen. But I remember this, and this is where we're good at reading between the lines, Ryan. After the game they lost to the Vikings, Teddy made a couple of little comments where I thought, oh, okay, he does not think much of this coach. And – I think I take Teddy's uh, opinion a little bit higher than that. Uh, let me before. Uh, sorry, you gonna say something else? Well, yeah, you got to remember he spent the year under Drew Brees, so he understands. Right. You know, I guarantee you, Drew Brees and Sean Payton talk about the plays. I know from playing with Peyton Manning and Ben Roethlisberger, they talk about what plays they like. I mean, that's a smart way to run an offense. But uh, if you're a college guy, or if you, a lot of a lot of coaches have huge egos, Matt. And uh, Matt Rule's flexing his right now for everybody else. Yeah, I remember reading uh, Bruce Arians' book where he talked about like every, I think it was every Thursday night or something, sitting down with the quarterback, letting him pick the plays for third downs. I mean, that just the quarterback's the guy with the ball in his hands, and usually these guys they know football pretty well. So that's that's a that's a very odd thing. Um, but anyway, before I let you go, because it's been great, awesome to catch up with you, man. Just uh, you, you loving life as as uh, as one of us, as one of these media people now. I mean, tell tell me it's changed your perspective a little bit from when you were a player. Yeah, I, I can't believe how how soft you guys are. You know, <laughs> the, uh, I, one of the things I love doing is you know before COVID, I loved going into the press box and hounding some of the you know some of the longtime writers here in Denver. Right when they're 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 detect, they're tweeting on their laptop with two fingers at a time, you know. Like, hey, excuse me, I'm trying to I'm trying to tweet right now. I'm like, oh, is it hard to do your job with somebody talking to you? Imagine <laughs> being on the field, you know. So it's been fun. A uh, ton of free food, so I gotta watch the waistline. But I love humanizing and educating the game for people who love uh, football and, and really bringing it to how they can, you know, create it in their lives. And, you know, how they can create this environment. You know, the Denver Nuggets are on a roll right now. They got a chance to win a championship, and with Austin Rivers coming over. You know, he talked about how Michael Malone's created this environment where even when he struggled, he's been encouraged to be aggressive. That through failure, you know, he's still being encouraged to succeed. And to be able to say on my radio show, hey, oh, by the way, all of us can do that at our workplace. You know, failure is a part of success. And you've got to encourage people when they fail, not discourage people. Create success and create camaraderie by encouragement versus fear. So I love taking those pieces from sports 
and bringing them to people and so that they could play like you know they can be like their favorite you know Broncos or Nuggets or you know Vikings or Avalanche or wild team you know when they go to work I'm so jealous that you have a good basketball team honestly oh hey it's not great. Minnesota's not going to have a team for long either. So. Oh, come on, man. You can't end by saying that, that A-Rod's going to take our team somewhere. Come on. We know Minnesota winters, and the first time A-Rod's tips <laughs> his hair touch the winter winds, he is not going to be staying in Minnesota. All right. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. I hope that doesn't happen. But, uh, yeah, I have, uh, I have some extreme jealousy for you having a great basketball team out there. Well, Ryan, you're the best for coming on, man. Always great to catch up with you. I love the way that you explain the game. You're, you're perfect for player going to uh, sports talk radio. So, uh, I'm glad you're doing well and Hey, you're welcome back here anytime in the winter that you want to show up. <laughs> Thanks. I'll pass, but Hey man, <laughs> great to talk with you, man. Congrats on your book again, my man.